Welcome to Vineyard 61's weekly podcast. We hope you'll be inspired, challenged, and encouraged by this week's speaker. For previous messages, go to our website, vineyard61.org, or subscribe via iTunes or SoundCloud. Um, welcome to you all. Uh, it is good to be here today. Um, welcome if you're online, because that's the thing, isn't it? So uh, my name is Ruth, and with my husband Josh and my children, we are part of V61 here in Balham. Um, we recently, in our family, introduced a new rule, actually, yesterday, um, which is because the kids are waking up earlier and earlier to watch TV. Ruben actually slept outside of our room on the floor to be the first one to watch TV. So we're like, we need to find a way. And so the new rule was if you stay the longest in bed, you get to choose what you're going to watch on TV that day. And this morning, as they came out and we asked them, who got up the first one? They were like, we walked together like this, mummy, holding hands. And we were like, oh, isn't it sweet? So... Today, as part of our series on Ephesians, we're actually looking at the theme of unity, just like my two children who are always united, yeah? <laughs> huh? And so in the last few weeks, we've been talking about what it means to be in Christ, and today we're going to look at what makes us one in Christ, and what's the purpose of our differences for Him, and what's our heart response to this call of unity, Okay. So uh, we're going to first read the passage, and then we'll have a pray. Uh, So if you can open to Ephesians 4, verse 1 to 16. It's also going to be on the screen, so you can follow on the screen. Let's go. Do we have the... Wonderful. Thank you. Okay. As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing is one other in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What does he ascended mean, except that he also descended to the lower earthly region? He who ascended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service. So that the body of Christ may be built up until we reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infant, tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and the craftiness of people in deceitful scheming. Yeah. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is, Christ. From him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Amen. So let's pray. Yeah, Lord, we... 
Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your truth, Lord. And Lord, I pray that um, as we look through this passage, Lord, would you minister to, heart, to, to us, Lord? Would you talk to our hearts, Lord? Would you help us to draw closer to you and draw closer to each other, Lord? Amen. Amen. So, in this chapter, it starts with an encouragement, and that encouragement is to live a life worthy of the calling we have received. And what that means is that we have, at the beginning of this chapter, that the message of unity is at the very heart of what it means to be in Christ. Yeah? And then when we think of unity in this passage, it's helpful to think about unity as two things. Okay? There's unity as a gift. Yeah? Unity is not something that we need to establish. Yeah? It's given through Christ. That's why it says to keep the unity of the Spirit. But in the same time, unity is a call. Okay? It's something that we grow into, a little bit like maturity. We devote ourselves to grow mature, hopefully. Yeah? Okay? So we grow into unity. And that's why it says until we reach unity in faith and knowledge of the Lord. So we have the gift and we have the call of unity. So let's look a little bit at the context of this letter, just for us to know where everything is coming from. We know that it's a letter that's been written by Paul during his second time of imprisonment. It's addressed to the believers in Ephesus, which is a combo of Jews and Gentiles. And Ephesus at the time is a big Roman city, okay, in the Roman Empire. And contrary to a lot of other letters, it's not rebuking something specific. It's just helping that community, the early church, to understand what it means to be in Christ in their context. Okay? And it starts, uh, that conversation around unity, it starts with our oneness in Christ. And it starts with a you that is a plural you. That's why all the beginning of this passage is about a you all. Because it speaks about us having a shared identity as a people, yeah? And that that shared identity is built on the oneness we have in Christ. And you see that there's a repetition, isn't there? Six times the word one is used in this. It's one body, one spirit, one hope, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all. That oneness that is built on Christ, through Christ, in Christ, is the foundation of who we are as a people. Um, Tim Keller was an American theologian. When he looked at this passage, he speaks about, you know, it encourages us, it reminds us, reminds us that we, it's the same power, you know, it's the same love of God in all of us. None of our, there's not one story or one calling or one conversion that is more the real deal than the other one. Whether it's been a progressive or whether it's been a life-changing miracle encounter, it is the same power and the same love. It is the same miracle of salvation in all of us. And that's why we share in that same public statement that one baptism that, you know, some of those, the guys are going to do tonight, Saskia is getting baptized tonight, you know, is that same statement, public statement of saying, of going in and saying and ending the power of sin, the power of law, and being raised up as a new creation in Christ. 
as we can see on the picture. I love the hand because it's like, I'm going to wash you away of your sins nice and deep. So, yeah, so we have this one baptism, isn't it? And we all know that as, you know, as we have that one conversion, as we have that one baptism, we also live with that one spirit living in us. And then this, uh, I don't know if you've heard of Spurgeon, he's a big theologian that has died quite a long time ago now. But he, when he looked at this text, it looked at, his main point was about the unity of the spirit and how when we are united, united with the spirit of God, we can be united with each other. I read that and I was like, Spurgeon, what do you mean? What do you mean? And I was sort of thinking about it. What does that mean in reality? And I remembered when I moved to England, so I'm French originally, you might have realized by the accent. Um, I moved to England and I was 17. I did a gap year working for a church. I lived in Kent in an English family. And everything was different. I didn't speak English. Uh, the people were different. The food was different. You called things croissant. That didn't look like a croissant. And... <laughs> And the humor was different. And I was like, oh, this feels mean, but apparently it's sarcasm, so it's okay. Huh? So I'm trying to figure out all those things. And in the church, there's no one of my age. There's mainly mums and younger people. So I'm hearing a lot of birth stories and things about secondary school. And I remember at the beginning thinking, gosh, this is really, this is hard. Like, this is really hard. This is going to be a long year. And, um, and, um, I remember one night I went to this prayer meeting and it was a worship and prayer meeting and, and the presence of God just fell in the room. And it was one of those moments where his power and his Holy Spirit was so thick. Yeah. And I remember God speaking to me and healing me and setting me free of stuff in my life. And at the end of that meeting, there was this woman. And in broken English, I tried to say, oh, God, heal, big time, heart, you. And, um, and then she shared what was happening nice and loud. And, and then we had this sort of heart-to-heart -heart connection because of our own connection with the Spirit. And, you know, in that moment, it killed in me the doubt that somehow we would not be able to connect. What I realized is through our one conversion, through that one spirit, yeah, we can build meaningful and important relationship with any believers, yeah. And that, you know, the fact that we are brothers and sisters in Christ, to me, in that moment, it became more real, yeah. And I think this is what Spurgeon tries to get us to understand, is that as, this, as we live in communion with the Spirit, we are also a, more able to be in communion with each other. And as we live in communion with the Spirit, we are also more convicted of our identity as children of God. You know, in Romans 8, he speaks about the Spirit himself, yeah, testifies that we are children of God. Yeah? You see that that sense of oneness, yeah, based on that one faith, one body, one spirit, one God, one hope, Father of all, it rests on Christ. He is that one way that has been achieved on the cross so that we can be one with each other. And you know, when I think about unity, I don't think it's an easy thing. 
I actually think it's a lot of hair. I think there's a lot of barriers. When I saw this preacher, I was like, oh, why do I do this? And, um, <laughs> but what God tells us in that passage is that we can be one as a community. We can, because we are all one in Christ. Okay, so we've seen that our oneness is based on Christ, yeah? But what about our differences, yeah? So it starts with a you that is plural, yeah, which speaks about shared identity, and then it goes to, but to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. And I think sometimes in the Christian world, we can be a little bit quick at being like, we've all sinned, we've all suffered, yeah? But what we see here is that we have a shift from a, a collective identity to the individuals that make up that community. Because you see, God sees difference. He sees difference. And those differences, they are good, they are holy, and they are at the very heart of his purposes. In Ephesians 2, it speaks about us being his workmanship created in Christ for his good work, yeah? And workmanship means that which was made, a work of art, okay? So I'm sure, as Christians, you guys all wake up every morning looking in the mirror and thinking, oh, the beautiful work of art of the Lord today. But just in case that this is not your daily morning experience, yeah? Let me tell you again that, you know, in each one of us, we are his work of art, and therefore we have value. Each one of us has value. Each one of us is invited to be part of God's story because each one of us displays a unique expression of his image, of his art, sorry, of his nature, and of his glory. You see, Godly unity, it's not uniformity, yeah? It's not uniformity. Because if we only look at what connects us and we dismiss what differentiates us, we miss the glory of God. This is so important, yeah? If we only look at what connects us, just our oneness, that's where it ends, yeah? And we dismiss what differentiates us, then we miss the glory of God. A few weeks ago, I ran a Shakespeare workshop as part of my work. And the beautiful thing about Shakespeare yeah, is that most people will agree that he has brought beautiful and important stories to the world, like Romeo and Juliet, and that he's a significant author. Yeah? And we know that those stories are performed again and again and again. Yeah? And that is because... A single cast and a single director can only bring one unique expression and reflection of that author and that story, yeah? So each performance, as you can see, there's so many experiences. There's older adult, there's a Bollywood, there's a Hollywood, there's a interracial, there, you know, there's English, there's all different performances. But each performance brings, helps to see a new depth about the story. Yeah? It helps to understand who that author is. And it helps us to see a new glimpse of the beauty. Yeah? But contrary to Shakespeare, when we think of God yeah, and his story, it's taken billions of people on earth. People of all races, of all ages, male and female, all abilities and disability, all walks of lives. 
over thousands of years to reflect the glory of God and reveal his image to us. That is massive. That is how amazing our God is. So why does it matter that in our diversity, why does it matter to be united in our diversity? It matters because when we are united in Christ, our differences, they reflect the glory of God. And we don't want to miss that. You know, we don't want to miss the glory of God. We, this is how magnificent our God is. Now you might tell me, well, Ruth, this is nice things, but, you know, when we, when we talk about unity in the church and in general, well, the reality is a bit messier than that, yeah? And that's because the question of unity and disunity, you know, it's a conversation that historically and today, it touches on the very real and the very painful experiences of many individuals and many groups of people. And you know what I, you know what I hope that this talk is helpful in some ways. Yeah, I'm also very aware of the limitations here. Yeah, that especially when those experiences are related to race or gender, um, they are experiences that deserve to be looked, you know, with depth and experience and care. Uh, people deserve to walk through those things with support and resources. So may I encourage you to also look at some of the resources that we have on the V61 website. We have a page on diversity and racial injustice with lots of interviews and resources, including interviews from people from the church. We also have some amazing talks about gender by Dr. Emmy Irwin and Karen as well. We did one on One Peter that was really good. So may I encourage you to, you know, reach out to someone you trust who has walked through those things and, you know, ac um, access resources yeah, to walk through those things well. Yeah? Because what, what, ha what I hope is encouraging in this passage, um, and I hope it's helpful, I just know that there's more there, okay? So what's helpful here in Paul's approach this approach that he has is quite, is quite powerful because he is talking to the Jews and the Gentiles. And he knows who he's talking to, yeah? And the Jews and the Gentiles, you know, they don't really love each other, yeah? And they're a little bit hostile to each other. So Paul, when he talks to them, he's also acknowledging the messiness of life. He knows that it's going to be a heart journey, a heart journey for people that's going to bring some discomfort, that's going to bring some pain, that's going to bring some degree of struggle. And I think that's when it's helpful to think about unity as a gift and as a call, yeah? Because what is in between is a battle, yeah? It's a battle of the flesh, it's a battle against sin, it's a battle against evil that is trying to rub and destroy and distort, yeah? And as we grow in unity, we have to engage in that battle, yeah? So if we look at the context, we have the Jews, and the Jews, they've put the work in. Yeah, they've put the work in. They've obeyed the law. Jesus comes along, die on the cross, and the Holy Law is fulfilled, and they live in that new way, and the Spirit comes on them. Great, glorious time. And on the, on the other hand, you have the Gentiles, and they've not put the work in. No, no, no. They had the other gods. They live morals that did not come close to the Holy Law. And, and you know, and then 
bam, Jesus dies on the cross and they're in. And the spirit is also on them. Yeah? So then it's, not e it's, it's quite easy to see how, you know, some people in the church might feel a bit more like the real deal than others. Yeah? How there might be some that are a little bit more the insiders and some that are a little bit more the outsiders. That's not hard to see. And so we have in the same church different people having different experiences of that same church. Yeah? And maybe in some way we can relate to that, yeah? In your own church experience. Because sometimes you go into church and you've got that group of people and they're living it. They're doing it. They're doing the mission for the Lord. They're feeling it. They're feeling all the love of the community. And then you have others who just feel a little bit taken advantage of or not seen or feel a bit alone or not invested in. Yeah? Those dynamics that can take place in our churches. Second page. Um, but you see, these realities, when we don't address them when, or just accept them, accept them, sorry, let me say that again because that was a little bit bumpy. You see, when these realities are not addressed or they are just accepted, as a community, we fail to live up to the calling we have received. It's not that it's just a bit hurtful or not very nice. It's not just that, yeah? Because it gives a message that is contrary to the very heart and essence of the gospel, which is to bring all things united in Christ. Yeah? It matters. It matters. So, you know, when at V61 we say we want to be good at disagreeing, I'm adding good at raising issues, yet still connected, still united in addressing the issues. It is because we want to be a church who reflects the gospel in who we are and how we relate to each other. Yeah, we want to be a church that does that. We want to reflect the gospel in who we are and how we relate to each other. But how do we, you know, how we do respond, how do we respond personally? What's our journey with those things? When they take place in our church or in our previous church experiences. And I thought I'd share some of my personal journey on there, and I hope it's helpful. Keep what is helpful, put on the shelf what is not. Um, but I can think probably of... Um, Three key moments in my life, in my experience of church or ministry, which really had the potential to make me walk away from faith and walk away from church. Yeah, And these are the things that I felt God teach me through those moments. Okay, One, you know that verse that speaks about the tossing forward and back and the craftiness of people. Yeah, What I felt God tell me is there's a difference between what is from God and what is done in God's name. Yeah, There's a difference between what is God and what is done in God's name. And as we grow in maturity in Christ, there is a journey for us to grow in discernment, in knowing the word, in being more sensitive to discern the voice of the Spirit, Yeah, so that we grow in our ability to weigh things before him. Yeah. The second thing, and... And that is a painful one. Like, for me, I, God showed me very clearly that God loves the church. You know, he chose the church. 
it is the it is the bride of Christ. When I walked down the aisle to marry my husband Josh, I was so aware. Yeah, sorry. You know, when I walked down to to marry my husband, I was so aware of my faults and my imperfections. But what I saw in Josh's eyes was that out of love, he chose me. Yeah, he chose me. He chose to work through those things. He chose me. And in the same way, God chose the church. And therefore, he calls us too to love the church. And there can be a cost in that. Yeah, there can be a cost in that. And the last thing is I felt God challenged me on what is my one hope built on. What is my one hope that Paul speaks about built on? Because when I started to realize that my one hope is built on Christ, that it's built on the victory of Christ on the cross, it's over all sin, it's over all evil, it's over all darkness, then when I realized that, I realized it's not just a conversion moment. It's something for all the moments of my life, and it's part of who I am in Christ. So it means it's a victory over the lies in my head or the lies spoken over me. It's a victory over the hurts so that I can heal and give my heart back to things, yeah? But it's also victory over injustice, whether I see things being dealt with or whether I can just trust that things will not be left undealt with, yeah? But it also means that it's victory so that we can have faith that change is possible. Yeah? Change in, in people, change in ourselves, change in the world. Yeah? And that God can give us endurance. Yeah? But I, almost, I must say also, for me, that victory on the cross, um, in the last few years, we have seen some of our friends go through some of the most trying circumstances, things I never thought we would ever come close to. And it means that victory, it means that when the trials get really awful, yeah, and we are affected and we are crushed, yes, it might take time, but that trial, it will not define you. It will not consume you because God has the final say and he has had the final say on the cross. You see, when you have that one hope built on Christ, the victory on the cross, it carries you through things so that you don't start losing part of yourself through those experiences. Because at the end of the day, it's a hard thing. You know, it's a hard thing. It's easy to grow weary. It's easy to grow hardened. It's easy to grow disillusioned and detached. Yeah, it's easy. But that one hope, it guards your heart, you know? It protects your heart so that you can find your way back to him. You see, this passage, it reminds us that when we are in Christ, yeah, we have that one hope to work through things, yeah? So that we can grow in unity and we can grow to live in the fullness of Christ. So, <laughs> we're going to invite the band up. We're going to have a worship time and a time of response. May I encourage you, um, when I prayed about this talk, the only verse that I felt God gave me was that verse about, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. 
if there's something that stirs in you, whatever it may do, maybe it's related, maybe it's not related, yeah, do not harden your heart, yeah. Come to the front, let's pray, you know, all of us need to come to the cross again and again because that victory it's for all the moments of our lives thank you for listening to this week's podcast tune in next week for another life-giving message from one of our vineyard 61 speakers